Hey, this is Joseph Massonary. I'm the pastor at Cornerstone, and this is our podcast. I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope this inspires you. I hope this helps you build your faith. I hope in some way that God will challenge you with a new perspective as you listen. Enjoy the message. this the Easter Ensemble, and are you ready for it? Volume 2. So we've been looking at Easter characters, people that observed and, and were around during the, the, the resurrection, the trial, the crucifixion, uh, all of these different things that we talk about around or during the Easter week. And so are you ready to get into God's Word today? I'd like you to open your Bible to Mark chapter 10, Mark chapter 10, and we're going to look at the life of of, of a, a man, a disciple, the apostle named, are you ready for it? man named John. That's going to be our character today. Are you ready for this? Uh, he is an interesting fellow, and uh, it's kind of funny when you read Scripture and you hear different accounts, but John is the apostle who he, 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 self, he refers to himself as, you ready for this? The disciple who Jesus loved. In fact, when he writes his gospel, he never mentions himself by name. He says, the one who Jesus loved. And I've heard kind of both sides of that. Some people saying, you know, he was being very, you know, he was, he was being self-deprecating and different. But then I've heard other people like, it's interesting, like the gospel of John also talks about when Peter and John ran to the tomb, it talks about how Peter may have been built a little bit like me and he was slow running to the tomb. But the Bible says, John says, I got there first. Right? There's a little bit of like comparisons in their writings and some things. And so uh, if, if you have your Bible, we're going we're gonna to actually go to an, and maybe an independent source. We're going to look at the Gospel of Mark today. And so Mark chapter 10. And uh, how, how many of you, I just want to ask you, this looks amazing in here and it's a little bit different. But we started, we had three shows this weekend of our Descendants musical. And I'm telling you what, if you have not had a chance to, to come check it out, you have two more weekends to do so. Grandparents in the house, it's a great night to take your kids out. And uh, I'm, I'm a little biased because I have a, a couple beautiful kiddos in it and we love our children. So uh, if you haven't been, make sure you, you pick a night to come see it. Amen? Good to go? Good to go? Just say yes, I will do it. Otherwise, we're not going to move on. No, I'm, I'm teasing. But Mark chapter 10, Mark chapter 10, and as we begin today uh, in, in verse 35, so if you have your Bible, you can kind of hold that out, and if you want to jump into your smartphone, get your thumbs ready to start typing, but we have your, your digital notes for you. But I want to talk about John today, but I also want to talk about what I believe each of us have familiar with this man, the apostle known as, labeled as the one who, who Jesus loved, but I think if we're very, very honest with ourselves, we live in a society, in a time, in a moment in history, in a culture that is very self-oriented, very self, we could call it like this, very self-driven, very self-gratifying, very self-promoting, very self-centered, sometimes very selfish. 
We could go on and on and on. And there's a sense that like self-promotion is a good thing. And I think in the right context it can be, right? There's a sense that culturally it's like, hey, self-promotion is a skill that you need to develop. You need to be able to put yourself out there on social media or whatever it is. But I was looking at a statistic this week, and here, here's kind of a, an interesting fact, and we, we talk about each and every generation. But if I were going to ask you today, what is the most common career that a teenager today would like to have? You want to know what it is? Somebody said it over there. Social... Uh, yeah, well, in short, what I was reading, it said 54% of teenagers today, they want to be a celebrity or a YouTube star. A YouTube star, a celebrity or a YouTube star. And there's this bit inside of us, and there's a bit, and, and before we are so quick to just point the finger at a different generation or, or group of folks, right, I think what we're going to see is there is this desire within each of us for a little bit of self-promotion. Um, when we, we, we talk about it, it's like people, we all have this desire to be great. We all have this desire to, to be known. We all have a desire to be the best. But we don't necessarily want to put in the work it takes to get there, do we? Right? I think even culturally, it's like all of a sudden, like in his later years, everybody, um, we, we could say it like this, we think the goat of football has retired. And if you don't, does anybody here know what goat means? Because if you do, you're like tracking with the young people. What does goat mean? It means, there we go, the greatest of all time. And I want to know when that shifted because I'm old enough to remember when the goat, the goat used to mean you blew the game. It used to be like a negative. It used to be like the field goal misses, like, like, like a guy misses a kick and it was like, oh man, the escape goat. But now the goat, if you're trendy, Goat means greatest of all time, and I think we all have this desire to be great, but we don't necessarily, we're not necessarily taught greatness. We're not necessarily taught what it means to put in all the work to, to get there, and this desire to be noticed is there, but there's a problem. When we follow Jesus, and would you, would you write this down maybe in your notes today? When we make a decision to follow Christ, his teachings, his message, it actually is just about completely opposed or the total opposite of self-centered, of selfish, of self-promoting culture. Following Jesus, it's, it's, it's like completely like a, a, a 180 turnaround. Jesus said, if you actually want to follow me, you need to do something. And he says this, like I would say it in our words today, he'd say, don't promote yourself. But Jesus said it like this, if you want to follow me, you actually have to deny you. He said, if you want to follow me, you actually have to deny yourself. And then he said this, that you have to, to pick up your cross and follow me, right? And being that, like, think of it, what he's saying, pick up your cross, the cross being like that, that death mechanism, that, that, that thing used to, to end a life. He says, you need to deny yourself, pick up your cross, and follow me. Jesus said things like this, and, and this is not very fun culturally to maybe listen to. The greatest among you will be your servant. Right? He said, remember that song in children's church? If you want to be great in God's kingdom, you got to learn to be the servant of all. Am I the only one who remembers that song? No, I'm not going to sing it today. I haven't had enough Red Bull or coffee, so I'll leave that one alone. But man, if we follow Jesus, we're called to be the opposite of a self-promoting, selfish society that is all about us, and yet our very nature at times longs to be known. 
I remember when I was a kid, we had this, um, I don't remember if it was on the pulpit or in our bulletin, but when this church started, it was, there was a, a common theme that it said servanthood, our highest calling. Servanthood, our, our highest calling. And Jesus would say, yes, that is an action. That is a, that is a, a, a culture that would reflect me because serving, it's not just about what we do, but serving, it's who we're called to be. Serving, it's who we're called to be. It's, it's, we're, it's called to encompass every bit about us. And I think if, if we don't watch it, we're really quick to condemn those people or that age group, or we're really quick to contempt, con- condemn those in the Bible when we see it, right? And I'm, I'm teasing and I was joking about John, but I do think it's odd to refer to yourself as the disciple who Jesus loved. I don't know, right? I've, I've seen kind of both sides of the question, and I just think that's like, like what were you trying to say? Like, Peter, he, he, he liked you, but he was still upset at you for sinking in the water, right? I mean, what do you say? Like, the disciple who Jesus loved, and you think of, like, other disciples, and maybe, maybe like, what did these guys talk about? What did they talk about? And maybe we're going to get into that in Scripture. We're going to see some of their, some of their, uh, their, their, their conversations but I think before we're so quick to condemn any of those around us, you know, we, we have this TikTok-type culture, this Instagram culture. And, and what's so fun about it, because if we're really honest, if you turn that phone around and if you flip the screen, right, it, it, it tells the story of our favorite subject, which is us, right? It tells the story of what I'm about, what I'm doing today, where I'm, I mean, as we love everybody's like fancy sushi lunch picks, don't we? Isn't that interesting, like culture, right? Mark chapter 10, verse 35. I think what we're going to see today is we have something in common with some heroes in the Bible. Uh, In Scripture, we're going to see James and John, the brothers, they have this specific request. And let's, let's jump into it. Verse 35. Are you ready? Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came over and spoke to him. Him being Jesus. Teacher, they said, we want you to do us a favor. What is your request? He asked in verse 36. They replied, when you sit on your glorious throne, we want to sit in places of honor next to you. One on your right and the other on your left. Look at this question. I, I, I find myself going, man, I, I guess it, it's, it's hard to like come out and say it. But I think I might have a lot in common with these guys. And remember at this point, there's still 10 other disciples. What do you think they're thinking of this conversation? Right? Like we all know like the different disciples and some of their roles and their names. And, and, then, and then you got guys that we have no idea what they were known for, like Bartholomew. Does anybody even know what he did? <laughs> not really, right? We're like, we know you're not his favorite. We know Bartholomew, you're not. You are not the one that, no, I'm teasing but here's the ask. They, they dreamed of this power. They dreamed of this conqueror, Jesus, the coming king that would set Jerusalem free. He would establish his kingdom, right? And he would, in righteousness, be the ruler over earth is what they are thinking about. And they thought of Jesus as this type of king, right? And, and, and the Jewish people we know were waiting on a Messiah to bring this type of kingdom and this type of judgment. And they were looking for a Jesus that would reign supreme here and now. And they were saying, man, Jesus, when you establish your kingdom, right? When you establish your kingdom, can I sit on your left and can I sit on your right? 
because I want to be noticed. I, I want to be, I want to I be in that conversation. I want to be making decisions. I want to be a shot caller, right? I found this quote from a, a famous sermon from Dr. Martin Luther King. And, and get this, I, I think we have this on the wall. Would you read this with me? Here it is. And there is, deep down within all of us, an instinct. It's a kind of drum major instinct, a desire to be out front, a desire to lead the parade, a desire to be first, and it is something that runs the whole gamut of life. I love that statement and that truth and that sobering reality that Dr. King says, because really it's a reminder, we are no different than James and John. We are no different than the teenagers we see posing on TikTok, even though it's cute to like watch them in their own world, right? And it's kind of like, how many photos can you take of yourself? It's interesting. I don't get how that works, right? But really, we are no different than any generation that has come before us or a generation that will come after us as a Christ follower when we mature. Because how many of you know walking with Christ, that's really what it's about. It's about being called to spiritual maturity, we can accept Christ and we can continue to like just kind of stay a baby Christian or we can continue to grow. Number one, would you write this down? As a Christ follower, I must recognize my basic desire for recognition and importance. For recognition and importance. That, that statement, this was from a sermon that Dr. King gave February 4th, 1968. He gave this sermon called The Drum Major instinct. The drum major instinct. And I love the point of it because he, he tells us through scripture, he says, we all have this instinct inside of us. From the moment we are born, right? You could even, I want you to think of like your babies when they began to cry for the first time. There's something, right? Even in that little child, when they need something, what are they doing? They are letting mom or dad know, I got a problem here and you need to fix it. Right? This situation is like from the moment a child yelps for the first time, it's like, I'm going to be there for you, right? The drum major instinct, this desire to be recognized, to be out front, leading the parade. It's like we all want to be important. We all want to have distinction. We all want to achieve something or surpass. And maybe you're here today, and, and I think sometimes in truth, not all of us, we, we like our praise delivered in different packages, Right, Because some of us, maybe you're like, don't talk about me in front of people ever. Right? Some of us, maybe we don't like being praised in front of a crowd. But there is something in all of us that we recognize like a, like a we, we get like a warm and fuzzy, is that still a saying, warm and fuzzy? I don't even know. Right? We get like a warm, like a warmth, a warm glow, something warm and fuzzy takes place inside of us when, when our name is called, when our name is written about. When our name is complimented, complimented, whatever it may be, there is something that takes place, whether we like it publicly or not, privately, it feels good to be recognized. It feels good to be thanked, right? To be written about. Let's look at verse 38, and Jesus has an interesting response. Jesus said to them, you don't know what you are asking. Are you able to drink from the bitter cup of suffering I am about to drink? Are you able to be baptized with the baptism of suffering I must be baptized with? Look at verse 39. I love this. They say, oh yes, yes, we are able. And you know what's interesting is they were. And they were willing, and they proved it, because it's, it's pretty amazing. But in Acts chapter 12, they say, Jesus, we are prepared to suffer for your kingdom, and they're going to. 
right? James in Acts chapter 12 is executed with a sword, and we know about John and his, all the different things he went through, and then he was exiled in Revelation chapter 1. Let's continue on in Scripture. Then Jesus told them, You will indeed drink from my bitter cup and be baptized with my baptism of suffering. But then look at verse 40. But I have no right to say who will sit on my left and who will sit on my right. God has prepared those places for the ones he has chosen. Jesus is saying, in spite of your commitment, in spite of your willingness to die, right, in spite of all these things, I can't grant you this, I won't grant you. That that honor is to be given to whoever God has decided it will be given to. Verse 41, and here we go. This is when I, I just think like James and John, the brothers, just they don't have a feel for the room because, of course, they're saying, Jesus Will you elevate me above the other 10? In essence, right? Will you, ele- like we already know, they're like already, it's like, is it not good enough that it's like Peter, James, and John are your inner circle? And poor Bar- Bartholomew is like number eight or nine or 10? I'm teasing. I, I, we need to read about it. Maybe we'll have a teaching about Bartholomew one day. It might be pretty difficult to put that one together. But as we talk about this James and John, this ask, it's like, what do you think the other guys are going to say about this? Let's look at verse 41. When the ten other disciples heard that James and John had asked, they were just thrilled with their buddies, right? No. Bible says this. They were indignant, right? It's like, man, we've been with you. We've been serving Jesus for three years. And how many even know if, if in ministry people can drive you crazy, even people you love? And that's probably the way the disciples are feeling about James and John. Man, I love you, but I just want to smack you right now. Right? Right? I'm, I'm like so fed up with you. They were indignant. And so what does the coach do? What does Jesus do? Huddle up, fellas. Let's go. Right? He calls them all in. And if I were Jesus, I feel like I just would have like, I wouldn't have had any patience for these two knuckleheads. I feel like I would have just gotten upset with them. And it's interesting when we look at what Jesus says. So Jesus called them together, verse 42, and he said, you know that the rulers of this world lord over, lord over their people, and officials flaunt their authority over those under them. We think our culture is so different today than it was back then, don't we? Do we read this in Scripture? Sometimes when we let culture or things going on in the world or our country right, discourage us more than it should, folks, they, Jesus can relate. He, said, he says this. Let's read that again. The rulers in this world lord over their people, and officials flaunt their authority over those under them. But among you, it will be different. Did you catch that? Among you, my disciples, it will be be different. And then he says this, whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. Ooh, ooh, that doesn't sound like so much fun anymore, does it? Whoever wants to be great among you, a leader among you, must be your servant. Number two, Jesus gave us a new norm of greatness. Jesus gave us a new standard of greatness, a a new requirement of greatness. One would have thought, I'm I'm thinking here, man, Jesus, would you smack these guys and put them in their place? 
Would you tell them to talk, like, stop talking so foolishly, right? Well, you guys are, why are you arguing about this? And if we know, like, even what, what happens before, and, and I just want to, like, think about this for a second. I don't even have this in my scripture, but would you look at your Bible really quick? And right before verse 35, I was, I was studying this week, uh, I'm just going off page here, but you know what Jesus was talking about before verse 35? He was predicting and he was talking about his own death. And then right then, when this scripture picks up, Jesus is talking about prophesying his death. And then look at verse 35. After Jesus is telling you how he's going to die, it says, then James and John had a question. Like, put that in your context pipe, right? Like, and, and right? I mean, then I'm telling you guys, I'm going to be crushed. I'm going to be tortured. I'm going to be offered as a sacrifice. And then if you pick this up in Mark, Mark verse 35, chapter 10, then James and John, teacher, we want you to do us a favor. We want to know who's going to sit on your left and who's going to sit on your right. And I would have thought, man, Jesus, I just would have been like, you guys, did you not just hear what I said? I'm going to be executed soon, right? I'm going to be, I'm going to be walking through it soon. Like they had, it's totally, they ignore that. And instead, Jesus does something totally different. Very often I see this in the Bible. He does very, like something very different than I would have done. Go think, right? You ever read the Bible and that seems to be the case? You're like, oh, I wouldn't have done that, right? Jesus seems to set a high standard for us. But he says, all right, you want to be first. I kind of see how you guys are wired. And, you know, I was there at the beginning and I know how you're wired. If you want to be my disciple, that's a good thing. But here he goes, and as we were talking about this drum major instinct that Dr. King mentioned in one of his famous sermons years and years ago, right? Jesus steps into the situation, and he says, I, I understand your instincts. I understand the way God made you. I understand your, your need to be out front, and I want to utilize this instinct, he says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to make this into a good thing. I'm going I'm to tell you, keep feeling the need to be important. Keep striving to be first. But here's what I want you to be first in. I want you to be first. If you follow me, I, be, I want you to be first in serving. I want you to be first in love. I want you to be first in generosity. I want you to be first in patience. I want you to be first with your morals. I want you to be an example of all those things. So take that desire, and I want you to be first Look at verse 44. Whoever wants to be first among you must be the slave of everyone else. Jesus says, I, I understand this desire to be known, this desire for recognition. Don't give up this instinct, but use it. And he says, I want you to be first in generosity, in love, and in service. And in essence, he says, this is an entirely new definition of greatness. Right? Who, who wants to be the greatest among you? Oh, and serve everyone around you. That's the definition that Jesus gives. But you know, would you write this down in your notes? Everyone can be great according to Jesus because everyone can serve. Do we catch that? Sometimes that's not like the most uh, exciting news clipping, right, to read, new, new, new headline to read. But according to Jesus, everyone can be great because everyone can serve. You don't have to have a, a diploma. You don't have to be a brain surgeon. You don't have to be the world's most uh, 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 amazing physicist like Tony Stark, whatever it is, right? We tend to think, like, I have to, I have to perform. I have to perform. Jesus says, no, no, no. You just, 
you need to serve. You just need to serve, and you need to serve, and you need to keep serving. Jesus said, you can be great because you can serve. So look at verse 45 as we read kind of a bit of Scripture today. We okay? Verse 45, for even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. To give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus says, not even I came here like a king that you would know, like a leader that you would know to manipulate the system, to pad my pockets. No, he says, I came to serve. And here's what I want to talk about this morning as we get ready for, for um, communion. And, and, and does anybody here, as we, I'll just take a quick break. Does anybody here need communion? Because we're going to close today. And if you need communion, I'll give, I'll give our ushers a chance and our, our team. Um, if you need commun- communion, would you just throw your hand up in the air? And we'll get to you when we get to you. It's all good. We're, we're casual around here. But here's my suggestion today when we talk about serving, when we talk about Jesus, I would suggest that if you follow Jesus, then you should have a consistent place where you serve. Did we hear that, church? I would suggest if you call Jesus king, then you should have a specific place where you serve, somewhere where you use your gifts. It might be in church. It might be in our community. It might be volunteering at a, at a shed, whatever it is. But as Christ's followers, we should have a systematic place that I would say once a week that we go to, that we are intentional about, that we consistently serve. And because I'm telling you this, when serving is a part of your culture and when serving is a part of your life, it changes the way you think because it constantly changes what you see. Right? Oftentimes, it's like if we just continue to focus on the mirror in front of us, what are we seeing? We are just seeing our needs. We're just seeing our blemishes. We're just seeing whatever it is about us that has us distracted. But when we constantly serve others, it changes your heart for people because you begin to see with God's eyes where needs are at. Right? Maybe you're in a place, and and man, you could just raise both hands, but like, Maybe you're in a place today where you're just noticing. You're, you're noticing like you're in a place where just people are irritating you a little bit more than normal lately. That's a good, somebody be like, amen to that, right? Culture's irritating you just a little bit more than normal, whatever it is, right? Little things are bugging you more and more than they should be bugging you. Here would be my suggestion. Start serving more. Start serving more. If you're serving God, then you begin to realize, God, I'm serving you. And when my life gets interrupted, it's a reminder that I'm on call to answer, right? I'm on call to serve. I'm on call to to pray for this issue or this situation, right? We'll see the need around us because, in essence, when the heart of a servant takes over, right? When the heart of a servant takes over, it changes our focus, It changes who we're thinking about. It changes what we're doing. It changes where we're doing it. I was thinking um, as we close today, and we're going to get ready for communion. We're going to get ready for communion. And uh, number three, would you write this down? Serving Jesus, it touches every area of our lives. Right? Serving Jesus touches every area area of our lives. Um, and as you think about your life, like what area of your life, if, if you weren't here tomorrow, what, what is it you would want people to say about your life? 
What is it you would want people to say about the way you have lived? And, and I kind of just think, man, I don't, I don't think much. I think I would just like people to say, man, he really, really loved and served his, his family. I'd like people to say that, like my girls. If you know me, right, I got like four wonderful ladies in the house. I would want people to be like, man, he just, he just consistently shows up. He serves or he gives rides, whatever it is, just trying to serve with actions to be like Jesus. Final scripture today, John chapter 19. If you have your Bible, would you turn there? John chapter 19. And as we talk about this, serving Jesus, it touches every aspect, every, every area of our life. Can we read verse 25 together? We're going to talk about John, the disciple who Jesus loved, right? But here we go. It says this, near the cross of Jesus stood his mother, stood his mother, his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother there and the disciple who he loved, there it is, right? The disciple who he loved standing nearby, Jesus said to her, woman, here is your son. And to the disciple, he said, here is your mother. And from that time on, the disciple took her into his home. You know, when we talk about Easter and we talk about the crucifixion and we talk about serving, right? right? Serving touches every area of our lives. So often we compartmentalize service or performance on a Sunday versus like the other four or five, six days that are secular, right? So often we, we compartmentalize the secular time versus the spiritual time between the sacred time. And the truth is, there aren't any aspects of our lives that Jesus isn't involved in. John chapter 19, can we read that one more time? The disciple who Jesus loved was standing at the cross. He said to her, Jesus, where, woman, here is your son, and to the disciple, here is your mother. And from that time on, John took Mary into his home, right? From the cross, right, Jesus charges John. I love this. He charges John with the care of his mother. And there is no debate. There is no discussion. There is no insurance plan. There's no negotiation, right? But could we say it like this? When we serve the Lord, discipleship, following Jesus, right, it is going to infringe on our space. <laughs> following Jesus is going to infringe on our personal time, right? And part of John's discipleship, part of the cost, part of the following is going to be that, hey, from that moment on, you are going to care for Jesus' mother, right? We don't get to necessarily sound, set our, how many of us love, like I love that word boundaries, and in many regards, it's important, but when it comes to following Jesus, I would say it like this. Following Jesus, serving like Jesus, it's, it's kind of an all or nothing proposition. It's an all or nothing proposition for John, for the disciples, right? When we invite Jesus into our life, it, it encompasses all of our life. And our devotion to Jesus impacts every aspect of our life because really serving, it's not just what we do, but serving is who we are entirely. Amen? Let's bow our heads today. God, we come and Lord, we ask you that you would just uh, speak to us today. 
kind of some of the message, God. We, we understand we all have a need um, to be known. We have a need to be talked about or written about. But God, help us and stir us and shake us out of self-focused or centered or self-promoting or selfish habits. God, help us to deny ourselves. Help us to be a servant of all. God, I was just, as I was studying this week, thank you for reminding us, God, that we are always on call for the needs of people around us. Um, as we get ready to take communion, the Bible says, and you can go ahead and grab your cup today, and let's grab the bread, but before we do, the Bible says that we are to examine our hearts. So we're going to take communion on this second Sunday of the month, and I want to invite you, kind of we have plenty of time, and so I just want to sit and maybe have an awkward moment of silence, but I want to invite you to just start talking to the Lord. We just bow our heads and, and just ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you. Ask Him to point out some areas that need to be pointed out. Ask Him to examine you, and oftentimes in silence, asking God to examine us is sometimes difficult. But I believe this here today, if you're listening to my voice, or if you're listening online, I'm certain here today that there might be some of us, right, that the Holy Spirit is speaking and He is moving. And because He's speaking to you and because He's moving today, you've become acutely aware that you are pretty much serving and living for yourself. Maybe there's some of us here, it's like, I kind of realize I, in this area, whatever it might be, I'm, I'm kind of like, I'm kind of all about me. I'm kind of all about me, and I think the, the Lord tells us these things, and he nudges us. And I would say this, don't be surprised by that, and it's not abnormal because that is actually our nature. We are selfish by nature. But following Jesus, it means we get to strive to be like him. We get to be led to be like him. So if you say you follow Jesus, then I would just encourage you, start to serve like Jesus. It was like he broke bread with people and he traveled with people and he carried a towel to wash people's feet. He was just ready to serve. So can we take the bread? And as Jesus was with his disciples, he took the bread and he broke it. He said, this is my body, which is broken for you. And when you do it, would you take and would you eat and would you do this in remembrance of me. Can we partake of the bread today, church? And Jesus took the cup. He took the cup of the new covenant and he said, this is my blood which is shed for you. It will be poured out as the final sacrifice. He flipped over that cup saying, I, I'm I'm the one you've been waiting for. I'm the Messiah. I'm the one. This is my blood, which is shed for you. Would you take and would you drink and would you do this and would you remember me? Let's do that, church. As we close today, I just want to give you an opportunity. We're talking today about serving like Jesus, but let's keep our heads bowed and our eyes closed. And I just want to ask you, and maybe you're watching online, we talk about serving like Jesus, but maybe you're here today and just straight up, maybe you're just asking this question, who is Jesus? Maybe you're asking the question, 
Who, who, is, who is Jesus? Maybe you've been asking it for a while. Maybe you've been kind of going on your own journey, your own trip for a while. And you've been running from Jesus. Maybe you've spent a decade or so out of church. I don't know. But Jesus was the sinless son of God. He was the lamb of God. He was the lamb who would be slain for the forgiveness of our sins. And the Bible says when you recognize who he is and what he has done, I think our only reasonable response, our only reasonable response is to run to him and to serve him. But when we recognize him and we acknowledge him, the Bible says that we can become a brand new person. He doesn't just save you, but he changes you. He changes you. And when Jesus changes you, you begin to recognize that life isn't always about me. Life isn't always about that cry that I started when I was an infant, right? But life is about bringing glory to his name, making a difference for his name, serving for his name. And maybe you're here today, if you recognize you're just kind of living selfish, you're living self-centered, you're living self-absorbed or self-promoting culture-type lifestyle, maybe you're here and you see that Jesus, wow, you're the son of God and after what you've done for me, I want forgiveness. I want to turn to you. I want your freedom. If that's you today, would you just consider acknowledging him by lifting a hand? Would you just say, you know what, I want to acknowledge Jesus today. I acknowledge that I've been doing things my own selfish way and I want to turn towards you. I see your hand there. I see your hand there. Is there anybody else this morning? You say, you know what, I've been, I've been doing it my way a while. Amen. Amen. If you're watching online, you can do that as well. But church, can we close and could we pray together? Jesus, I surrender my life to you. Let's say that, church. Jesus, I surrender my life to you, completely to you. I need saving. And let's say this, forgive me of my sins. Make me totally new. And God, fill me with your spirit so that I can show your love, so that I can serve in all that I do. And church, when we come to Jesus, that means my life is not my own, but I am journeying through. My culture is not my own. This is not my home, but my home is heaven. And so God, I give you my life. In Jesus' name we pray. Can all God's people say amen? Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us today, and a special thanks to those who give to Cornerstone. You know, it's because of you, our ministry, it's possible. Uh, you can click the link in the description to give now or visit us at cornerstonelv.com. And if you enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe, you can share it with friends, share it with family, help us spread God's word. You can also join us live every Sunday. We invite you, 9 a.m. or 11 a.m. We stream service live. Thank you again for listening.